from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Menno is in session. A good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano, and I'm here with Gina Knoll. Good I think, morning. Good morning, Gina. And I think we have a pretty decent show for us today. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to uh, talking about an issue very important to Iowans, especially Iowans who are pro-life, mm-hmm. um, and how things are changing on our horizon. We always seem to be at the center of these um, innovative ways to uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, destroy so, human life. And so now we're talking about abortion by mail. That's right. Yeah, and that's, uh, so Maggie DeWitty is going to be with us in a few minutes. We're going to talk to her more about that. And then we're going to get back to the uh, little Blaine amendments that right. we were going to talk about last week, but there was a scheduling problem. So uh, we have Leah Patterson, who is coming back this week, and talk about that case. The thing that's Epsonosa interesting. versus Montana, yeah. Excuse me. The things that are interesting to me the, with the Blaine amendment is how Catholic-centric those amendments are, that the whole purpose of them was to um, – hold back the Catholic Mm -hmm. members of the Catholic Church and uh, not allow them to do as many things as they, um, the churches and the schools and the the services they provided to other Americans. Um, I, it'll be an interesting discussion. Well, you got to remember when, when the uh, original Blaine Amendment was proposed, it was something like 1875, something like that, mm-hmm. and, and that was during the time of uh, as we nativism. The, the big Blaine Amendments right. on the federal level. The, the time of nativism and anti-Catholicism in the uh, in the country and as a result uh there was an attempt to pass this national constitutional amendment that would have prohibited any public funds from going to catholic schools it was directed at catholic schools there right. was any program right at school, the schools it was directed mm-hmm. at the schools yeah and um and, and so uh what happened was that Blaine amendment was never uh, formally adopted and it may have been one of the reasons why Mr. Blaine did not become president uh-huh. uh, because he did get the Republican nomination. People got involved later. and voted. People got and involved, and, and there was a big there's a big religious thing in the state of New York at the time, which cost Blaine the state of New York, and uh, which would have been the election, the election with him. Right. And so anyway, but by 1900, we had uh, about 30 states having what I call little Blaine amendments that did the same thing. And so Montana had one. We're going to talk about how the Supreme Court resolved that difficulty with the Montana um, uh, election or the Montana case. case. Just, just mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, they did that. And it'll affect then all of the little it, Well, and how far it will be affect, it will affect it, we don't know yet. How narrow that ruling was. Right. Uh, and I think it was a little maybe more narrow than we'd like to believe. So well. it may be interpreted later, especially by lower cl- courts a little bit differently. We're looking forward to the uh, First Liberty telling us mm-hmm. how they feel that went. And then, we I should have mentioned this last week, for some reason it skipped my mind, but there was a case we talked about a couple of weeks ago sure. in Texas. It was an interesting child custody case. And what had happened was the parents were divorced. And mom and dad uh, had a joint custody agreement they worked out through the court in which case, in, in where by the court found that both parents were fit parents, but they gave primary physical custody of the little girl to mom. 
Mom then eventually uh, had her boyfriend move in with her. She was then killed in a car accident, and the boyfriend came and said, well, I'm entitled to custody. And the lower courts in Texas granted him joint custody custody. with Dad. And Dad said, no, that's not right. I'm I'm a legitimate biological father who's uh, who's been found to be a good parent. I'm entitled to full custody of my daughter now. That went up to the uh, Texas Supreme Court, and a couple of weeks ago, the Texas Supreme Court unanimously ruled in favor of the father. So So he has custody of his child. So he has custody of the little girl now, and the boyfriend is... uh, well, he has to find another woman, well, I guess. Now. So well, I don't, I don't know. yeah, and he's probably spoiled the relationship. Uh, he may have, he may have a little bit, and and so, but now the little girl's where she's supposed to be, and uh, and dad, uh, dad has uh, custody of her, and and it upheld the rule that says basically that if a parent is found to be fit, there's no reason to disturb the relationship. Right. Okay? And that should be the first rule, that you don't disturb a parental-child relationship unless somehow the parent is deemed to be unfit. Right. And we had a big case in Iowa many years ago that kind of had that same, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but mm-hmm. through an adoption, until the child was adopted, the parent was found later, and the, mm-hmm. the courts ruled in favor of the biological parent. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that child only knew those parents yeah. that had adopted. So yeah, uh, They say in the law that... Hard cases make bad law, you know, and that's what happens. You know, you have a hard case like that. You want to do what's best, but yet you have to realize that you're setting a precedent, perhaps, and that precedent may set up. Is necessary for the. Right, and the precedent may be hard on this case, but the precedent is a valid precedent that has to be followed. I see. Anyway, you know, we're... uh, we're fallible people. Lawyers' jobs are never easy. No, and they never, and, and we never get difficult. paid enough money for it. <laughs> well, some might argue yeah. that. <laughs> my, my wife won't. <laughs> All right, you have a prayer to open us up with. I do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world, peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us all in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Maggie DeWitty, Executive Director of Iowans for Life, will join us right after this. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one. One child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know 
Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we are back, and with us is Maggie DeWitty, Director, Executive Director of Iowans for Life. Maggie, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing well, thank you. Very good. It's nice to have you back on the program here. Um, well, maybe it's nice. You know, we have you on usually when something bad is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, we bring you on to try and straighten things out. Um, we now have abortions by mail, I guess. Uh, you might want to explain to uh, our listeners how that is all happening. Right. Well, we need to go back to to actually about 2012, 2013, and that was the first kind of uh, pilot program that we had here in Iowa, and that was instigated by Planned Parenthood, and that was the webcam abortion. And that was uh, the abortion where a woman would sit in front of her video screen, tell a doctor, presumably in Des Moines, but who knows where that doctor may be, that she wanted to have an abortion, he'd pop a button and out the dangerous RU486 abortion pill would uh, be given to her. And that went through um, the Iowa Board of Medicine and ultimately the Iowa Supreme Court, and um, we failed in our efforts to to eliminate that. So we have that still going on through Planned Parenthood. And now Emma Goldman in Iowa City, the other one of the other big abortion clinics in the state, wanted to get in on this whole kind of new and and inventive way to harm women and kill unborn children. And to make money. And to make money, of course. And they partnered with a uh, reproductive health, and I say that in quotes, uh, group in New York. Um, I I believe it's called um, Annuity Health Projects. And they... um, The FDA normally does not allow abortion pills to be distributed by mail, but this health group in New York obtained federal permission to start this study 
in 2016. And of course, here in Iowa, we are one of the pilot states to do that. So now um, we know that over a thousand women have used this system nationally and a handful here in Iowa. And basically a woman, um, again, has a virtual appointment with a, a staffer at Emma Goldman and um, she then obtains an ultrasound from wherever uh, she can get one and then they simply package up the RU486 and ship it to her home through the U.S. Postal System. For $750. Exactly. The same amount for a surgical abortion. So there's no discount to get it through the mail. Um, although I'm very concerned on a number of reasons, as we know, um, because people feel like this would be the better route because it's more anonymous, um, it leaves women very isolated. And we've seen and heard many, many stories from women who have undergone these medical abortions in their home. And, um, in fact, Abby Johnson um, author of Unplanned and a recent movie, uh, describes her medical abortion, and, and she actually describes it as um, being in the middle of a crime scene. That was her description of her medical abortion, feeling and thinking that she was going to bleed to death in her bathroom. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of medical complications involved in this. I know, uh, I think out in California, where else would they do this? They're ordering all the... Uh, uh, state university clinics to be able to hand out these pills uh, by right to any of the students that are there. And there were some really horrific stories that came from that. Uh, gals uh, bleeding in their dorm bathrooms and things like that and not having um, uh, any medical staff or any medical help uh, at hand. Exactly. And they're isolated and and they're they're faced with the reality because a lot of these women then will see their dead child right um oftentimes in the toilet mm-hmm. and that is so emotionally harming to these women who don't know then what to do and realize the ramifications of their actions and it's devastating to them i i really wonder why the fda fda has allowed this sort of um protocol to exist. I noticed that um, in many countries, um, the doctor need, you know, they need to be on site and observed through the process of the um, chemical abortion. Um, And the FDA originally required, had some really stringent requirements on issuing this RU486, and then backed off within two or three months of their original um, issuance and, and made it more lax. Exactly. We know the abortion industry is is not being regulated whatsoever. And um, and the fact is that, you know, this this drug is is not being um, handled the the appropriate way. And there is no medical oversight. I, I just it's it's appalling to think that we're giving these these women and young girls these dangerous drugs with no in-person visit from a doctor. That's just, that's just appalling to me that they're not required to have an in-person visit with a physician before receiving these drugs. 
Well, and then when things go south, they end up in the emergency room and they have no history. The the doctor attending to her has no idea what's going on. And they're Mm -hmm. faced with such a a crisis at that point that um, the woman's life is truly in danger. Absolutely. I mean, we know both for, uh, for surgical abortion and medical abortion, not only is the woman scarred emotionally, but scarred physically. And there are countless women who have, have never been able to conceive children again, have had lifelong physical uh, disabilities and issues with their reproductive system because of their abortion. Well, some, so, of them, some of them have STDs, and if you don't take care of the STD first, um, right. that can cause sterilization. Exactly. And, yeah, so, again, to, to that point, not having a physical examination in person is, um, is just unacceptable. And the other big concern I have is, I'm not hearing anything about where we're finding out if these are uh, minors. You know, yeah. can minors be uh, obtaining these mail order drugs? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Can a 13-year-old uh, get this pill without her parents or anybody knowing? Presumably so. You know, she she could. Um, where Where's the requirements? I'm not seeing anything about how they verify that this girl is of age. Or in a situation of abuse, you know, this makes it even easier for yeah. her abuser to, I mean, we ha- we've we had on the show different stories of abusers who have taken their, um, a young lady that th- they are abusing to have an abortion in a clinic um, without any questions in, out. Now it's even easier for the abuser to cover it up to to work with her, their um, abused young lady and have her call in and, and get this medicine and no one needs to be the wiser except this poor young child, really, in most cases, um, it, it suffers the consequences. Exactly. The, you know, uh, human traffickers and, and rapists, they love the abortion industry because they provide cover for them. They do. For them to continue to, to harm and abuse uh, young women and, and, and families. Now, what is the rush now for all these uh, uh, mail-order pills or the telemed abortions? Um, Why not just go to a clinic? Well, I think that we're seeing more and more brick-and-mortar clinics going under. If you look here in Iowa, you know, um, in 2012, we had over 24, close to 24 Planned Parenthood clinics. Now we're at nine. And it's sh- it's shrinking across the country. There's there's less and less brick and mortar, and there are less and less doctors willing to perform abortions. So the abortion industry is having to come up with new and innovative ways to harm women and, and kill children. And that's that's the way they're going. They feel like this is going to be more anonymous. Of course, as you noted, they're not. They're not charging them any less, and so there's there's less oversight when you don't have to have a actual physical clinic, and so in the end they're going to be making more money because they're not requiring women to be seen by anyone. Um, there there are no clinics to maintain, 
And so they're going to continue to see their profits go up while all of their, um, all of their, you know, expenses for an actual clinic are going down. You know, I kind of wonder um, if you're going to have any type of procedure like this done, shouldn't you have a full medical evaluation of the person? And yet that's not being done. Basically, you just prove you're pregnant and say you want the pill, pay your money, and uh, and you got it. Exactly. You know, there could be underlying conditions. There could be a whole host of things happening. And these doctors at Emma Goldman would never know. Uh, these clinic staffers, I'm not even sure they're doctors. Their staff, whoever sees these, these women virtually, would have no clue of any of their their background without evaluating her in person and doing some diagnostics and some testing and and just also having a face-to-face conversation, which to Gina's point would help uh, root out possible human trafficking and abuse situations. Mm -hmm. In addition, um, oh, excuse me, there's a huge, uh, well, I I think the failure rate is rather high, especially um, as you get closer to 10 weeks of gestation. Um, the the infant is at risk in under these conditions. Um, can you speak to that at all? Have you seen any studies of how that all plays out? Yeah, I mean, when when the the baby isn't fully um, removed through these um, RU four eighty six pills, then then they are going to have to go in to an emergency room, and um, and that can cause all kinds of complications. But then, yes, there is a failure rate with that and um, surgical abortion. You know, our own um, Melissa Oden, who was uh, from Iowa, she's in Kansas City now, she was through a botched uh, saline-infused abortion and survived. Um, There are survivors of botched abortions, and um, so you have that complication as well. Those mothers to have to know that they did this to their child would be very devastating to the um, mother also, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, is is there a time frame on this that you have to be less than so many weeks pregnant? Well, you know, if if you can trust the guidelines, but we've been hearing they've been being skirted here. But um, according to what we're being told, the woman needs to be um, 10 10 weeks or under to receive these through the mail. And that's why they're requiring the ultrasound to verify that. But does the ultrasound really show that? Well, and that's a good question. Yeah, Yeah, because where... Is there certain requirements of where they get the ultrasound? Um, and when? You know, I mean, is it date stamped? I, you know, just exactly. all of these things. The desperation sometimes um, for a woman in crisis is is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that I, I and I, I'll have to go back and I can't find it rather quickly, but I thought the manufacturer of the uh, this RU four eighty six and it's a couple of pills. In case our listeners, you know, there's a an initial pill that takes care of some things, and then after some time, you take the second medication to continue the abortion if you do it right if it's if done you correctly do it right. you right. follow the directions right. and that's another problem with this yeah but um i i thought the manufacturer 
recommended like I want to say eight weeks was the maximum for um, this procedure. Yeah, I I don't know about that. Everywhere I've I've heard it's been the ten week, but I had heard they were pushing the limit even to eleven and sometimes twelve weeks on this. Um, but my understanding had always been that the FDA had recommended that that they be ten week or under to receive the RU four eighty six regimen. Well, I I know what a ten week developed baby looks like, and I can't imagine being at home and having and seeing that that happen, being part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would freak a young. Girl, I, would, I think anybody really, yeah, yeah. yeah. But especially somebody's not expecting it, mm-hmm. you because know, w- when you go into an abortion clinic, they kind of shield you from those things. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see the ultrasound. Um, maybe if you beg and ask, they might show, but other than that, they won't show you the ultrasound. Uh, all the um, uh, fetal material that's removed is taken away. You don't mm-hmm. see any of that. So it's a to the person who's going through it. It's a clean clinical process. And yet now with this, you know, do, do it yourself at home, uh, first of all, you got to read the instructions and do it correctly. And then you have to put up with the aftermath uh, of it. Emotionally. Emotionally. And sure. that's going to be tough. Well, and even physically, because I, I think I read that uh, some women can have, um, um, uh, what am I trying to say, the, uh, side effects that last well into six, eight, ten weeks of cramping and bleeding, bleeding. and, and uh, infection and you name it. Um, and a lifetime of mental pain. Right. Yeah. Yes. So what can we do to tamper this down? Is there anything yeah. that, I mean, are there reports being done, follow-ups to find out how this, how the patients are um, uh, turning out after the, taking the medication? Yeah, you know, those are all great questions, which I don't have the answers for, which is disturbing. You know, what are the requirements um, What a, for reporting on this? Um, and how would they know? You know, they mail the pills, the girl takes them, then how would they know whether they were successful? You know, that, that leaves the, the, the reporting of this very difficult to do. And I know that the Iowa Board of Medicine is reviewing this and reviewing this policy um, that that Emma Goldman has, has started to do here in Iowa, but they've made no determination about it. And so now we really need to um, kind of talk to our, our representatives in the legislature. We need to talk to our, um, you know, representatives federally, um, Joni Ernst and um, Grassley and several others and make sure that they're aware this is happening in Iowa and get them um, aware of this and looking into this because I think those are the first steps is we need to make sure that our elected officials are aware this is even happening here and in I'm, Iowa. And I'm sure Kim Reynolds is aware of it and yes. uh, I, I know what side she's going to come down on on that. Uh-huh. Exactly, yeah. and we really need to, to flesh out how this is happening. Is it being regulated? How is it being reported? Is this legal? Um, yes, they got... They got a uh, obtained federal permission, um, but up to that point, you know, this was not allowed. We were you were not allowed to mail these dangerous drugs. Yeah, 
If uh, people need more information or want to contact your organization, do you have a website you can give them? Yep, iowansforlife.org, and we just recently put a blog post out about this called Mail Order Abortion Pills Come to Iowa, and so you can click on our blog and read more about what we just talked about today. Very good, and thank you very much for joining us, and I hope people will follow up on that because this certainly is a dangerous turn. Maggie DeWitty, Executive Director of Iowans for Life, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Take care. And we will be right back in about three minutes. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Temperatures will be warming up for the next couple of days with slim rain chances. It'll be partly sunny through the afternoon, our high today in the mid-80s. Overnight, clear and upper 60s, and then a mix of sun and clouds again tomorrow. We'll be hitting 90 for the afternoon high, maybe a few late-day showers. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store, serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we're joined now by Leah Patterson, who's an attorney with First Liberty. Uh, Leah, how are you doing? 
I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Fine, fine. Um, you uh, know something about this case that was decided by the Supreme Court a, a week or so ago, this Espinoza versus Montana, dealing with the, what I refer to as the Little Blaine Amendments that we have. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a background on the case and then let our listeners know how this is playing out now? Sure, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So Montana established a scholarship tax credit program to provide tuition assistance to low-income families, um, basically to help parents send their children to, to the private school of their choice. Um, but under the Montana, well, the Montana Supreme Court ended that program altogether because um, of a state constitutional provision uh, prohibiting state funding of religious schools. And that's what you re referenced as the Little Blaine Amendment. Um, the Supreme Court in the Espinoza case found that, that applying it in that way was unconstitutionally discriminatory to exclude religious schools from participating equally in a neutral school choice program. So that's, that's the case in a nutshell. All right. Now, um, this obviously was an attack on these Blaine Amendments, and, I, and there were at one time about 30 states that had one of those. And again, the idea goes back to something like 18... 75 or so when uh, the original Blaine Amendment to the United States Constitution was proposed and then rejected. Uh, but uh, uh, these have picked up steam across the country. And uh, the question that uh, uh, we looked at here as uh, this was being argued is, what now is the status of these little Blaine Amendments, these, these state constitutional amendments that are prohibiting funds to be used um, at, uh, 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 for private schools? Well, I'd say that, that the outlook for the Little Blaine Amendments is not very good. Um, the Supreme Court did not categorically invalidate them, but the effect of the Espinoza opinion will make them much more difficult to apply. So basically the rule going forward for school choice programs is that you know, a state does not have to have a school choice program, but if it has a school choice program, it must allow religious schools to participate and uh, to the extent a little Blaine Amendment is to the contrary, it's unconstitutional. All right. Um, but I did notice as I read the, uh, the, especially the dissents, this did seem to be a much narrower decision than those of us who were hoping for a complete overturn of the Blaine <laughs> Amendments right. were expecting. Well, I want to guess the typical lawyer answer is yes and no, in the sense that... <laughs> I've given Supreme that several court, <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the court will only uh, usually address the, um, the parties that are before it. So it's not going to make a ruling that's broader in scope than, than the specific people that are before it. But the logic will apply in other cases. So, you know, the Supreme Court can emphasize the narrowness of its holding or the dispense, especially will try to emphasize the narrowness of a holding. But the bottom line is that if the logical principle holds for these parties, it will probably hold in others. Now, of course, individual cases have to be litigated themselves. But one of the most important pieces of the opinion, at least to me, was that the court rejected some of the typical arguments that get made in favor of it including uh, religious schools from participating in school choice programs, such as protecting uh, public school funding, for example, because that interest has obviously gone out the window if they're already funding a school choice program that goes to private secular, uh, to secular private schools, rather. So that's just an example without bogging down too much. Yeah. 
Um, how many cases are you aware of, um, especially at First Liberty, are being litigated that have some of these same uh, issues at hand? Whether whether it's there a constitutional amendment like the Blaine Amendment, or whether it's other rulings that uh, or other uh, niceties that the state or the school administration may have that prohibiting funds from being used for uh, well not only for parochial schools but for charter schools and other things. We're certainly aware of, of, a, of a number. In fact, First Liberty is involved in a case um, originating from Maine uh, that's, that's waiting for a decision from a federal court of appeals, basically challenging uh, the Maine uh, school choice statute, which prohibits religious schools from participating. It's, um, well, with the Espinoza decision, we're hoping for a good outcome in that as well. Mm-hmm. Timely for you in that particular case. Very much so. Speaking of timely, I think the fact that this case was um, ruled on in the middle of this pandemic, when we're arguing whether or not our children should get back to school, I'm hearing more and more people say, give me the money that you spend in my school district where my child cannot go to school or can only learn online, and I will find a suitable education for them. Um, how does this ruling, How I mean, will it will it help in this effect in in transferring the funds that a school district receives on behalf, because most school districts get their funding based on headcount. So there's a value mm-hmm. to each child in that district or that school building financially. Do you think it will help to be move towards a system that allows the money to follow the child? Well, I think that, and this is just my speculation, but given the, as you mentioned, the pandemic and all of the, um, of issues that are going on in in society right now, that I think that would encourage uh, states to start reconsidering allowing um, more school choice, more um, more flexible school options. And this Espinoza decision makes it where, when a state decides to do that, religious schools get to participate on the same terms as as everybody else, so that um, with the increased pressure that states may have to switch to that kind of flexible system, the people of faith will be able to take advantage of it to the same extent as everybody else. Okay. And from what I understand, there's 30 of the 50 states that have these little Blaine amendments. Um, And we could see those diminish or be eliminated by legislatures over the next few years based on the decision. They could. um, But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if the legislature officially repeals them or not. Um, if the, the if state the, tries to apply them, they're going to get litigated. And under this case, they're going to, the Little Blaine Amendments will have a, a hard time of, of surviving in these individual cases. Very good. I think you point out something, uh, Gina, that's probably corrected that we'll see more of a legislative remedy than we will a legal remedy at this point because of the decision. Oh, so uh, yeah, I, I that's my opinion. But then, you, you think it, I'm it, sitting behind a microphone <laughs> instead of in a courtroom right now? So <laughs> or a state legislator? <laughs> yeah, as a uh, state legislator. Uh, Leah, tell me a little bit more about this main case that you have going. I'd uh, and certainly. Um, so basically, in Maine, um, some areas in in that state are don't have enough population to have a high school of their own. So what the state does is it will pay the tuition um, to the 
to a private school of this of the parents' choice um, because there isn't a, a public high school for them to go to. Um, back in the eighties, uh, the the main attorney general I think interpreted uh, some Supreme Court cases to require that program to exclude religious schools, and so that's how it's been for almost forty years, I suppose. Um, and under this decision, the Espinoza decision, um, that kind of structure is really not going to be able to survive. Um, but we filed suit a few years ago based on uh, the Trinity Lutheran decision, which mm-hmm. Espinoza builds on. Yeah, I thought Trinity Lutheran was an interesting decision when it came down, and I thought it settled a lot of things that apparently may not be settled uh, as we as we see some of the cases come down um, but uh, uh, we'll have to look into that main case and maybe have you back when that decision comes down seems to me you, you've uh, uh, reminded me of something that I've read before so I probably have it in a file at home um, if, well for more information it's on our website at firstliberty.org that's what I was going to ask you where we find more information firstliberty.org you have your the cases are all itemized on uh, at their website. Yeah, their website. So that, yeah, helpful. you can you, your link. Follow the progress. Link in and and uh, I I like to mention this with uh, these groups that come on is uh, they provide uh, legal representation pro bono to the parties. They're uh, organizations that basically live off donations. So if anybody has any spare change that they want to send their way, I'm sure, Leah, you'll be happy to take it and help further what you are doing. That's very kind of you. We certainly appreciate any any help we can get in keeping the lights on, but uh, you know, by the grace of God, we're able to provide uh, our services for free to our clients. Well, and that's right. And, and a lot of people, you know, we have a number of these people that come on every week to talk about these cases, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, that they are not charging for their legal services, that they're uh, tax-exempt organizations, but they, uh, uh, they get uh, donations, and that's how, that's how they live. Very committed to the cause. Very committed to the cause. Anything else coming up uh, that uh, we should take note of? Uh, that we'll want to have you back for one of these days. <laughs> well, you know, the the landscape is always changing, especially with, you know, every, every time a state shuts down all the churches, we, uh, we start getting to work again. Oh, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> we've had plenty of material. <laughs> we've had plenty of material weeks. there, and we've had plenty of people saying, hey, uh, you know our appointment tomorrow? <laughs> we just got to close your order from our governor, and all the churches are calling us today. Can we postpone that? Uh, so I know you guys are, are working out there on that. Uh, and I know what they just in California, they closed everything down, didn't they? All the churches and everything? They did. They did. Um, but we'll see. we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a lot of this is in God's hands, and uh, God provides uh, people like First Liberty to come in and to help us out down here on the way. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Leah, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. My pleasure. Uh, that's thank First you. Liberty. It's firstliberty.org if you want to get a hold of her or find out what more is going on. And Leah, we'll have you back when we see this main case come up. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Leah Patterson, attorney with First Liberty. And we will be right back after these messages. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know... 
Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffingtons.com. And we're back. This is Faith on Trial, Iowa Catholic Radio. And Gina, uh, a couple of uh, things uh, come to mind uh, with our guest um, this week. First thing is when we're talking about the abortion pill that um, they're providing to these young women who write in or text the doctor and say, I need the pill. Right. Um, was the problems that they have with it are many in many instances the same type of problems they were having with the mail in um, um, suicide pills? Remember, we've talked about that before. Oh, sure. Where uh, people are getting prescriptions for physician assisted suicide, and they're getting these pills that come in the mail that they have to follow specific directions on, and uh, that sometimes uh, they take these pills, they take them wrong incorrectly and uh, and they suffer for weeks 
before they finally die. Mm-hmm. Then it just seems like negligence or malpractice to me to have doctors be involved in this sort of prescri- prescribing mm-hmm. uh, chemicals to individuals mm-hmm. that can be so harmful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Maggie, I don't know if Maggie touched on it or if I read it in her blog, but she said that so, or it said that um, I was having difficulty finding um, physicians who will perform abortions. That's one of the reasons the, the reasons clinics are, have this, been yeah. closing down. Um, I think m- with more technology and more science and more um, observation and uh, hopefully public support, um, we can continue to have that same process uh, take effect with this m- chemical abortion. Yeah, but it seems that some of these things that end life, the chemical abortion, the suicide pills, uh, almost willy-nilly they can hand those out. Yet if you want to get your prescription for high blood pressure renewed, you got to have a doctor's visit. Mm-hmm. you got to go in. The guy wants to see you, and, and he or she wants to examine you, see if you still need that, need a different dose, you need whatever. But uh, you can't get a simple prescription filled unless you have uh, a doctor's appointment. And the doctor uh, is going to require that appointment before he writes a prescription or authorizes its renewal. And yet we don't seem to have that with these telemed things. You know, there's another thing that's very similar that I – I see advertising the TV. It's it's for uh, male enhancement drugs, and and what you do is you call this number, you talk to a doctor, you tell him what your what you think your problem might be, and he writes a prescription and sends you these drugs. And I think what a silly way to do these. I mean, uh, these are, th- are things that may harm people, right. not taken but properly. But telemedicine is becoming more, especially through this pandemic. Uh, I I know my daughter had a telemedicine visit with her doctor. Mm-hmm. Now he wanted to see her in a follow up mm-hmm. when she could come into person. But um, I think how do they? How does medicine? happen into these circumstances, true, yeah. true medicine, especially in a case where the, um, the emotional um, needs of the patient are very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially in the area of like uh, we were talking about, suicide and abortion. I mean, uh, uh, these are things where, where people are very troubled and, uh, and it may take a good counselor to get them through it, mm-hmm. uh, especially the aftermath of an abortion. Yeah, well, it, interesting that we, you read these stories, and so many. Uh, the um, if you Google it, you'll see the um, the RU four eighty six incidences of these young ladies. They'll blog about it, or they'll and they always have someone supportive there, a roommate or their boyfriend, or um, really, and the, those individuals struggle with watching their friend go through this extremely. Um, painful experience. And now what if you can't tell anybody about it because the father, the child you aborted is your stepfather. Right, and you're you know? all alone. And you're all alone. And you can't talk to mom, can't talk to anybody. You know, And of course, it's, it may even be worse now because schools are closed and you don't even have a school counselor. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's the problem with keeping the schools closed, of course, is that uh, there are people that, uh, students that are suffering at home and uh, that's not picked up on. They're all alone. Yeah, they're all alone. And then when we talk about the Blaine amendments, uh, I didn't want to get too far in the weeds, but it's just something. Yeah, you, you lawyers like to talk uh, <laughs> in a if, different vocabulary. If you think about it, uh, and here's uh, here's one of the problems with the Blaine amendments, and and this is one of the things that was pointed out in the case that we didn't we didn't get to. There is a inherent conflict between the two 
clauses of the freedom of religion clause, the establishment clause, and the free exercise clause. And what it, what the inherent conflict means is if you, and if you just sit and think about it a little bit, if you take them both to the logical conclusions, um, they would uh, nullify the decision you would make in the other other. And if you take the free exercise to its logical conclu- conclusion, uh, you'd look at the other one and say, well, you know, the decision you made over there must be wrong in the same way. And so that's where we get this concept of this play in the joints where these two clauses intersect. And that's why these things sometimes can be a, a mobile target. And uh, that's why I think that the decision is uh, probably more narrow than we would have hoped that it would have been that they would not have, or we would hope that they would have just said, Blaine Amendments are out. Are out, yeah. Are out, but they didn't. They didn't but go, they to didn't that, go that far. They didn't go that extreme. And probably one of the reasons why they didn't go to that extreme, I think some of the conservative justices might have wanted to do that, but in order to have five votes out of the nine to do it, they may have had, had to, to lean more to, on the that, establishment, and, that, and that's what happens. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would, I would worry a little bit about. Uh, future decisions in that in, in what happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this uh, this main case that Leah talked about, and uh, and we're gonna have Leah back well, when we have. have she that indicated in. there are quite a few cases throughout the Absolutely. 30 states that have these Blaine amendments that are um, in the courts right now, and I would imagine if a majority of them are ruled in the favor of the Catholic schools or the Christian, the religious institutions. Uh, that w- it would be harder and harder for uh, the states to hang on tightly to the Blaine Amendment. Yeah, the, some of them will try. Here's going to be the problem, though. Uh, it's going to be uh, to our benefit, really, is that on the basis of the Espinoza case, a lot of these states that are pursuing um, uh, these cases where they're trying to uphold the Blaine Amendment may simply look at it and say, this isn't worth fighting for anymore. We can see the handwriting on okay. the wall. We're going to withdraw the objections. We're going to dismiss our case. Or we'll let a lower court ruling stand or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to take it that far. So we're not going to fight as hard now. There are going to be some ca- places, though, and I, and I can probably name the states uh, that if they have the little Blaine amendments, they're going to fight all the way to the Supreme Court because they do have a little bit of play here, the play between the joints, mm-hmm. as, as they talked about about in the court case and um, and uh, and like I say it's it's a 5-4 decision so with the change in the court and who knows how the election is going to go and who's going to be picking judges this e- time next exactly. year uh, you know they may want to they may want to hold out and uh, obviously there is a, a anti-catholic sentiment to these things and uh, Unfortunately, we're stuck with it. Well, I know through the um, recent protests and the Black Lives Matters and Mm -hmm. other um, events, I have heard that the uh, there there are communities in this country where the um, socioeconomic diversity in the schools has really affected the education of the students in those schools, and that they're looking for more open enrollment opportunities for. For everyone, mm-hmm. and I, um, I th- I'm glad to know that the Blaine Amendment has been kind of, um, by the Espinoza case and coming down from the Supreme Court last week, has allowed the Catholic schools to become players in in these uh, open enrollment issues because I think they provide so much for 
for everyone in right. terms of education and ethics and morality and, and the teaching of the faith. I closed my column uh, this week uh, talking about the Blaine Amendments, and the question was, so the little Blaine Amendment's dead? And I said, uh, dying, but still with a weak heartbeat. And I think that's probably that's the best way to, uh, to summarize it. All right, let's end with our prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. For Gene and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, And thank you to Paul and Paul from Imogene Ingredients for sponsoring the program. Until next week, have a blessed and peaceful week. Thank you. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.